Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory Season 2, Episode Number 17. Today's podcast is brought to you by BookLaunchMentor.com. If you're an author needing to polish your book before you launch it, or you need coaching and help to launch your staggering work of genius, check out the services at BookLaunchMentor.com. My first intensive is coming up soon, the end of January, beginning of February at Lake Point Church in Rockwell, Texas. So some of you who are listening to this are actually going to be there. There's going to be 12 of us, and there will be another one coming in May, Lord willing, and hopefully in July and November. So stay tuned for those as well. Today, I am welcoming my friend Chris McGregor to the Restory Show, and he has an amazing story and a difficult story that has to do with marriage and what felt like to him the death of his marriage and yet God's intersection in the middle of that. And so he and I have known each other for a few years now. He's a pastor in Montreal at City Church. And uh, you may recall that we did interview his wife, Yancey, about depression in episode five of the Restory Show. So go check that out if you haven't because hers is amazing too. So without any further ado, here is Chris McGregor. Hey everyone, it's Mary with The Restory Show and I am so excited to introduce you to Chris McGregor. He is actually the the, I almost said he's the wife, but no, that would not be right. He is a guy and he is the husband of Yancey McGregor, who was on the show last year. And she talked about her battles through depression and some amazing pieces of wisdom and advice. And so I'm just so excited to have Chris on the show as well. And we know each other because our churches are connected. And uh, Chris actually went to the same place that my husband did. They both went to Dallas Theological Seminary and both survived. And now he and Yancey are church planters. I guess it's easier to say they're like church leaders because they've planted that church in Montreal, an English-speaking church in Montreal. So Chris, thanks so much for being on the Restory Show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the honor of getting to talk to you today. Awesome. So uh, let the listeners know a little bit about who you are, and you're a Canadian, and how did you grow up, and you know, did you ice skate and all that kind of stuff? Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I did. Just the, the, I'll answer the last question first. I, um, a lot of Canadians, not all of us, of course, but many of us kind of grow up with converted tennis courts into hockey rinks in the winter months, and so a lot of us start skating around three or four years old by pushing a chair around the ice, and so that's how my dad taught me how to skate. And uh, yeah, one thing that we've learned as Canadians is you you have to find something active to do because our winters are are pretty much like your your Texas summers and the fact that they kind <laughs> of go on leave. forever. Yeah, I had the privilege of living in Texas for ten years, and so uh, for me it was kind of the opposite. Just learning how to endure a five to six month summer as opposed to a four to five month winter up here. So. Yeah, I grew up in Ottawa, which is the capital city of Canada. It's about a million people, and it's a government town and conservative town, but also a, um, a very sort of post-Christian city. Uh, it would be 
probably of all the Canadian cities in Canada, uh, at least the major cities, it would be probably the second most unreached city. Uh, approximately two to two and a half percent of that city would would be active in church and would be going to a Christian church. And so, you know, growing up, uh, I was really blessed to grow up in a Christian home. I had really uh, great parents who um, were believers when they were married. And in fact, my grandparents on both sides were believers. And so I had a really really, I guess, stable background, which is uh, learning more and more as I grow older, uh, how much I took for that for granted, you know, how easy that is to take for granted when when that's kind of your life and you don't really understand how, how much a blessing that is until you get to see other people's stories and you see some of the things that um, you've always just had uh, just for your taking and you've really not had to access some of the resources that other people have had because you've just, you've just always had them. So, that that has been a huge gift, and I was raised in a great church. So my story is is more a story of uh, of being the product of a generational blessing, and and having people not only uh, love me and provide that security for me, but uh, a community of people around me all the time. You know, youth pastors and and Sunday school leaders, and and people that you know, my parents because of their involvement in our church, I, I had a lot of friends and people that were always sort of at my disposal. And that was really important in a city like Ottawa, because uh, in my high school, for example, uh, of a thousand people, you know, I could only count on one hand or maybe two hands, the amount of people and friends that I had that were active in church or had a relationship with Christ. And so it was really important that we had, you know, that network, we had that sort of outside support, because uh, I, I remember feeling very lonely as a high school student trying to, um, you know, negotiate those awkward teen years. You know, one thing that was funny in my past is, you know, today I'm sort of a, a six foot tall guy, which, you know, I guess is a little bit above average. But back in, in grade nine and grade 10, you know, just as a note for Americans, we say grade nine and 10. We don't say ninth grade or 10th grade. So uh, <laughs> that's a fun little quirk. But um, yeah, I was like five foot one, five foot two in those first two grades of high school. Oh. And so I was, yeah, I wouldn't say bully. That'd be a little bit strong, but I definitely was uh, one of the smaller kids around. And so I, I remember my buddies were oftentimes, you know, holding me upside down over top of a railing just because they could, you know, so, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, not only was I kind of negotiating those awkward teen years uh, in in that respect, but just trying to trying to you know live that balance of of trying to um, you know have a great high school time and career and 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 fun in that respect, but also trying to hold on to my faith and uh, with so many of my good friends and people that I had friendships with that were were going in a different direction. It was it was a hard it was a very hard season. And that's really, to kind of bring it around full circle, that was one of the great uh, motivations for, for Yancey and I to, um, to plant a church in a, in a city in Canada because, you know, it's just so rare for these Canadian cities, a lot of them that are sort of under 5%. Montreal is less than 1%. And so it's just, it's very lonely for high school kids and even university, junior high, all that, those, those sort of formative years, it's... Um, it can be a very difficult time, you know, learning how to uh, negotiate the pressures of life in the midst of a culture that's oftentimes swimming in the in the odd direction. So that that's a little bit of my background. I was a runner growing up and competitive swimmer, hockey player, did all kinds of sports. And so if you got to know Yancey's story, my wife, uh, about a year ago, she is very much on the singing and performing arts side. <laughs> and that is not me at all. I don't have any of those genes. You must have made some interesting children. 
Yeah, we, we always kind of joke when Yancy met my mom finally after, you know, dating for a while and we got serious, we were engaged, you know, Yancy made the comment, you know, I've always fantasized and dreamed about my husband singing to me when I was walking down the aisle. <laughs> and my mom said, well, you better keep dreaming and praying because that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you could have run down the aisle or played hockey down the aisle. Yeah, exactly. I could run or I could do other things, but nothing that would be appropriate in a wedding contest, probably. <laughs> And you you went pretty far in running, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I was uh, had a lot of fun doing it. You know, it's kind of that's a it's a funny comment in its of itself because running is and fun don't usually go together. People probably accuse me of being a masochist, but um, I I got great joy in running, and I really I love the idea of goal setting, and so it was a very tangible way to you know to to see improvement and to work towards a goal. And so running is very objective. There's no you're not really relying on other people. You're just simply measuring your time. And so it's an easy way to see your progress and get motivated that way. And I ended up on a track scholarship down in Virginia for four years, got a degree in business and then went back, uh, back to Ottawa to work for three or four years. And during that time, as I continued to run on a semi-professional way, I, that's semi-professional because, uh, in running, you don't make a uh, you know a great salary or anything. So for Not me, like a basketball player or something. Yeah, or a, <laughs> endorsements, yeah, a football player or, <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. I was really more losing money than anything. But it was it was a really fun time because I was able to represent Team Canada on a couple of different occasions internationally, and so that was a a cool dream as a child that I got to realize during my mid twenties and sort of near the end of that time, three to four years after my uh, undergrad degree. I kind of sense God was calling me to, to move out of the business world and into sort of vocational ministry and as a pastor. And so that's how I ended up at Dallas Seminary. My pastor in Ottawa was a DTS grad, and some of the people that I admired growing up were, were DTS professors or, or writers. And so that's kind of what motivated me to go down there. And that first year of seminary was probably the most uh, jarring and difficult years of my life. It was you know, in, in the terms of just transitioning from a certain identity that I had in athletics and even the community that I had around me, whether I was in Ottawa with, in my church or in the running world or even while I was in Virginia in that bubble of university, my, my identity was attached in those two different ways. It was either because of my parents and their respect because of the church or more often than not, it was because of my running and people knew me because of that. But when I had moved to Dallas, it was, a, um, it was a very sort of searching time because I had left all that behind. And, and I kind of tell the story this way. It was, you know, just very, uh, it's a humbling, you know, as a 26 or 27-year-old to, to leave your home with, you know, a few suitcases to get on a plane and to, to go to a city that you don't know anyone and basically to start your life over. And that was really me, and and it took me uh, a long time to to find my footing again, and to sort of how God gently does this. He sometimes allows you to go through these seasons of wilderness times, and these seasons of recognizing how how you would put your, you know, you put your identity and you put your security in in things other than God. And for me, until unless I had that great experience, I wouldn't have realized that I had to make that shift. And and so. Even during that time, you know, God was really gracious that he, um, he gave me this amazing person to, to share that journey with, and that was Yancey. And we, I think we met the first day of orientation, and <laughs> we, uh, we hit it off right away. And 
we started dating within the first six weeks, I guess. And then about a year later, we were already married. So it was, it was definitely love at first sight. And it was one of those things where we, you know, for me, I can speak from my perspective. I don't think Yancey would share this, but she was, she was someone that just rocked, rocked my world in every way. She just, I was starting to write poetry. I was doing all (laughs) these crazy things that I had never envisioned doing. And she just completely um, turned my life upside down in the best possible way. So that's a little bit of the sappy part of the story, but um, (laughs) we got to, uh, you know, do seminary together. We got to take all of our sort of foundational classes, which was awesome. And then we were on a staff together of, of a church in Dallas for um, almost 10 years side by side. So we, we had so many great just growing experiences and, and sort of deepening our, our marriage and our foundation during that time uh, before we had left to come back to Montreal in, in 2000 and 2011. Well, that gives us a good picture of where you've been and and where you are now. And I don't know what story you're going to share, so I'm going to let you um, begin it. And I'm anxiously awaiting what you're going to (laughs) say. So what story do you want to share with the listeners today? Yeah, it's always a little dangerous when you you don't know the story. (laughs) I know, I'm a little scared. Hopefully you have your sensor button. No, you know, I was really just thinking about a couple stories I could share. And I think something that's been very... um, I think for me, it was a very pressure pointed uh, situation that I wanted to share that really emerged almost the summer of 20, the 2015. So it was in the last year, it took, it took probably a year, year and a half of this to unfold. But it was, it was a time when, you know, Yancy and I had been married for uh, 12 years or so. And we've had a really an amazing marriage. We've, we've again, kind of just the, to jump off onto what we just talked about, we, we hit it off right away, and we were um, had so many things going for us. We just had a great, uh, we had a great start as a couple. We had some great people around us to speak into our lives. We had some great friends and a great church we were part of, and you know, God blessed us with two boys before we had left Dallas. and And even as we were excited to start our new chapter in ministry, we had a really good start up here. But uh, some things started to take place. It really came to the surface really quickly. It felt like. In, in the summer of 2015, and uh, a lot of things were happening at that time that were circumstantial. There were some challenges that Yancey was having with her health. There were obviously it was a busy time for me and for her with our church plant. If anyone's ever church planted before, or hmm. it's just, it's really You're the here, same, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and people that haven't. It's it would be really comparable to starting a business. It's just all in, and no matter if it's one person or the other person's not paid. It's everyone's all in. And so it's probably just a picture of what it was like as, as we, we shared that in every respect, just like we had with, with everything in our, in our relationship. And building a young church uh, in, a, in a city like Montreal with all the different challenges that that brings, I think it was a combination of, of uh, Yancey's health and a combination of all the pressures associated with this young church and, and also just not not having the resources probably to manage things that were shifting and transitioning. But the net effect of all that was that uh, Yancey and I started to grow apart and to a, a point where it became in, in a very critical situation. And, you know, looking back, you could see the signs. But I think I think for me, and, and probably if you asked Yancey, she would say the same thing. It just kind of, it really came to the surface in a, in a quick way, in a very intense way. And I think once it got off track, it was very evident that it was off track. And it was, it was so confusing because for some reason we couldn't put it back together. And it was alarming to say the least that, uh, you know, coming from a, a family where, you know, I, 
I'm so blessed. I don't have I don't have anyone in my direct family that have had you know a divorce or broken marriages. And so for me, that was never an option. It wasn't something that I ever considered. And uh, but we were at a point where we were just very uh, at odds with each other, and we couldn't figure out which way was up. And there was so much pressure on us, and there's there was just such a so many different things happening at the same time that we really didn't know you know how to turn. And so in that time, I guess really what I wanted to share from from that standpoint was um, just how important it was to access all of the people that that loved us and and the people that have had uh, spoken into our lives and to kind of go back to them, not in a way to ask for wisdom as much or not really in a way to, you know, to get something specific, but really just to, to share vulnerability um, with all those people. And for me, that was something that was hard. It was not something that came natural to me and it still doesn't, but you know, we had, because things had gone fairly well and, uh, in our marriage and in our former church and now in our church plan, things were going in the right direction. And there was a lot of great things to point to, but it's because, because of those situations, it wasn't a lot of occasions where we really had to just ask for, you know, lots and lots of help. But it was just a time where I just felt so, um, it was, it was such an urgent situation. It was a word panic comes to my mind that I was just, one of the things I was doing, of course, was praying more often and praying a lot more urgently. But another thing that I was doing was just reaching out to as many people as possible that was in that sort of circle of people that I had admired and that were were kind of closely connected to us. And going back to all those people that were texting us, going back to some of those people that were maybe you know giving to us financially, that were partnering with us in our church planning situation, and just going back to them and just sharing all of the stuff that was going on and. And of course, with that becomes a lot of fear and there becomes this, this, this sense as a pastor that you're, you know, you failed at the most important thing and, and wondering what people are going to say. But of course, when you're in that situation, the last thing that you're worried about is, is your, your pride. You're, you're more worried about how can I salvage this relationship and how can we get back, you know, if it's even possible, how can we get back to where we were? What were some of the uh, signposts of coming back, or maybe better said, what was some of the best advice? Or maybe there wasn't advice. Maybe it was just listening and prayers. But what was, when you look back, what stands out to you as some turning points or some really great things that people did to help you in the middle of that situation? Yeah, I think I think the best thing that we got out of that was was just recognizing um, how profoundly that we were loved and 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 how many different ways that God had surrounded us with people that had very different gifts to give us. And until I think you're ready to be vulnerable and to access those relationships, and until you're ready to be, you know, real with people, you don't really know, in a lot of ways, how those people can be a a resource to you and how they can be a gift to you. And I think, as we started to share that story, and, and speaking just from my standpoint, you know, I was reaching out to a lot of pastor friends and some people that were mentors of mine. And and one of the things I was just doing was was sharing that with a not a not a, a tremendous amount of people, but with really quality people that I really looked up to and admired, and people that understood the pressures that I was under. And and I think Mary, the thing that is that I remember the most is it wasn't one piece of advice, and and that's really not the thing that I really wanted to emphasize. But for me, it was it was just having access to all these people and to know that every single one of them were praying a lot more specifically for our marriage and praying for the right perspective for me and for, for Yancey as well. 
And so one of the things we did was we reconnected with our our Christian counselor that had um, done pre-engagement counseling for us in Dallas. And so through the miracle of Skype, we were able <laughs> to uh, um, you know, do some counseling just through Skype. And that's something that was so helpful because it was something that we could do together. It was something that, um, you know, it was a neutral person that we could both talk to and that loved us, that someone that had been continued to be involved in our lives, you know, all these years later had, had stayed in touch and had been involved. And so she gave us some incredible counsel. But I think the best thing that she did for us was just just showed us how much she was for us and and gave us some sort of strategies that would help us to to learn how to communicate better and to learn how to, um, you know, put each other first in a time when all we could do was was feel disappointment and a little bit of bitterness towards each other. So when you think about that time, how did God intersect that moment or those moments? How did you experience God's love? And I know that you probably did experience it through people, but what kind of tangible ways did you realize he was with you? Well, I think it was, you know, we were in a situation where it was very bleak. And um, despite our best efforts and things that, you know, we kept trying to to put things together and, you know, try and take care of our boys and try and take care of our church and take care of the needs within our church, take care of our own normal routines within our home. None of that was helping our marriage. And, and so it was a, it was a situation where we needed, we need some supernatural help and we needed the help of people around us. But, you know, I think as I think back to that season, the thing that I think about the most was, was that a resurrection took place in our relationship and in how scary it is to see a relationship that was once so filled with hope and so filled with sunshine that was suddenly so bleak and dark and 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 disappointing you know and and so for just for god to breathe hope back into our relationship and to kind of take away a perspective that was only shrouded in despair and and darkness and and replace that with this glimmer of hope and light and and God did that in a myriad of different ways. I, I think the the thing that I would emphasize the most was was through community, was just in the gift of being able to be myself and being able to be vulnerable with people that that really did care for us and cared for me as a as a man and as a friend more so as a you know professional pastor or someone that had a, a certain amount of responsibility. So just people that really cared about us as people and cared for our marriage above my position as a pastor. And so I think, you know, God, God did that. And I, he showed me really the power of two things. I think the the power of community and the power of vulnerability. So important. And you, it's really hard to know that you're loved. And I think you've mentioned this already, just know that you're loved until you're really yourself. Cause you can kind of justify, well, they don't really know me, so they can't really love me. And even though God knows us perfectly, we don't always reveal ourselves to him. And so then we don't always feel loved because we think maybe he doesn't understand, which he would because he's God. But what kind of, as you look back and, and through the restoration, what role did forgiveness play as you went forward? Well, it played a, a huge role. And, uh, you know, for me, I think it was, you know, you'd have to be basically an idiot to know that you didn't play any role in the in the relationship. But you know, sometimes the way that I'm wired, I'm a very analytical person. And so for me, I had spent so much time trying to um, uh, just figure things out on my own throughout my own logic and just looking, revisiting old patterns. But sometimes that that doesn't get you anywhere. And it, it seemed to me that it was going the wrong direction as I continued to do that. And so 
one of the things that was so helpful was to um, was just to talk to people and, and again just to share that story and to share how bleak our situation was and and as I did, um, I think God used all those different conversations and all those different opportunities to kind of share that vulnerability and and just to see the different ways that I needed to ask for forgiveness and so you know it was it was at such a point of darkness that it probably took, you know, half a dozen conversations that were very intense and very time sensitive just to get back to a place where we could, you know, be eye to eye, face to face and and to have a sort of a constructive dialogue. There was there was so many hurts and and so much built up frustration and bitterness that um it just it took a long time for for those things to I guess to be addressed and at the same time looking back, although those intentional, those conversations were intense and it did take a few of them. It's amazing that, you know, for let's say four to five months of it being very intense and very dark, that within the span of a couple of weeks, that things were already looking brighter. And it happened just like the story of the resurrection, just sort of changed things instantly in the blink of an eye. You know, I think it was just such an evidence of God was the one that restored. God was the one that sort of restored our, our relationship. And he was able to just to show us, both of us, I guess, the things that we had to adjust and, and the things that we had to take ownership for in order for us to move forward. I love that. And I, I do think that, you know, we do serve a God who's the God of the resurrection. And a lot of times we don't understand that resurrection until death comes and so when you have the death of a relationship or what you perceived as a death of a relationship, you were really helpless in that sense. And unless God showed up and unless, you know, a miracle happened, things were not going to get better. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it's, you're exactly right. You, you don't appreciate, it's almost like you don't appreciate the sun until you've uh, been in a season of darkness. Like we've recently just had, you know, nine or 10 days of November rain up here and it's just gotten sunny in the last day or so. And when it's, when it's been like that, you don't truly appreciate the sun until you've, you've not had it for a while. And I think in the same way, God sometimes allows us, at least in, in, the, in my perspective, that there's been times in this, this story in particular, where we went through a really dark season in order to appreciate uh, the power of the church, the power of God using people, but also just appreciate each other. And I think no matter you know, how long you've been married, it's so easy just to slip into, you know, comfort and sleep into a routine that you just, you forget what a gift that your partner is. And you forget what it's like to live at peace with one another, because, you know, there's, there's so much conflict and there's, there's so much history that can build up with each other that when you have it difficult, you, you wake up and appreciate and you thank God literally for your spouse, because you've seen the evidence of what happens when, when things are not that way. Yeah, I love that. And just that appreciation. And I, I came, you know, I grew up in Seattle. So the weather analogy really resonates with me. <laughs> there were times where it was like 30 days without sunshine. And then we all emerged from our little mole like caverns <laughs> and squinted at the sunlight. Like, oh, that's what that was like. I forgot. Yeah. And, and then the northern climate, you know, like, you know, in Canada here, we, we know what winter is about. And, and I think we appreciate so much more spring, you know, and I think that's, you know, there's a passage in, in Genesis where it says that God ordains the seasons and he set the seasons aside in his sovereignty. And and I think one of the things that that does is it gives us a very uh, physical reminder of a spiritual reality that there are seasons of 
of winter, but then that season of winter prepares you for the season of growth and blooming and multiplication. And uh, it's such a great picture of, I think sometimes God uses those seasons in our, in our relationships and in our, in our personal lives that, and to try to actually appreciate them in that season. It's, it's, I know we always want to live in the middle of summer, but sometimes when you go through a period where it's more difficult and there's more conflict and more trials, that's when you actually grow the most. And, and I think I've heard the analogy that, you know, when in, in the wintertime, particularly these trees, these great oak trees, they, they, they're basically shedding off all of these different, you know, their leaves and whatnot in order for them to be able to grow deeper and to grow stronger so that when the spring and when the summer comes, they're, they're stronger to be able to produce more fruit and, and more beautiful leaves. And that to me is exactly the picture of what's taken place in our marriage and in our relationship. And as dark and as hopeless it seemed for so long, today I can just thank God and, and literally not say that in a trite way, but a in a way that really gives glory to him because he has not only restored where we were, but I, I think in a lot of ways he's grown us and he's in our marriages in a, in a place of shalom right now. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. I love that. And I love just the hope that that brings, I'm sure, to people who are listening today. So if you were to give advice, and you've kind of given it throughout what we've talked about here, but if you were give, going to give advice to someone going through extreme turmoil in a relationship, what would you say? It's so much to say, and it, it's it's just an uh, it's very humbling, I guess, to to say what I could share from my pers- perspective because I know that if you're in that season right now, it just feels hopeless, and mm-hmm. you know you're listening to these words and you're just wondering to yourself, could that even even be true anymore? Because you just can't find a way. But I would just remind you of the story of of God, which is that when when three days had passed and the the Savior of the world that was supposed to be the hope for all mankind was in the grave, suddenly he emerged. And, and that, that story of resurrection is available. Uh, it's available to my relationship. It's available to you and your life. It's available to your marriage. It's, it's available for any dark season. And, and I would just say, don't lose hope because as long as Jesus is alive, there is always hope. Uh, don't, don't let that flicker die out. Remember that because of the resurrection, anything is possible. And God delights sometimes in using our darkest moments to to deepen our faith, but also to allow us to use our story one day to help others. And so I would say, number one, don't lose hope. Uh, I would say, number two, access every person in your network, not to just dump on them and to, to vent on them, but really use them as a spiritual resource. You know, use them to to be people of prayer for you, to choose a couple of people that you can confide in and to ask for their wisdom. But just the discipline of cultivating vulnerability in that season is so important, not only for your own soul, but just to to do something constructive when it, when the, when it seems like you're in quicksand, that it's actually something that's very, um, it actually advances you forward, is to make those phone calls, it's to fire off those text messages, it's to kind of create these FaceTime moments where you can where you can be face to face with people and just share where you're at and just ask for their their help. That's those are that's really great. One of the things as I was listening to you, I was thinking, what about the person who maybe they were in a difficult marriage and the other person walked away and there's nothing they could do about it? What kind of hope is is out there for someone who's really had a broken relationship? Yeah. And if, you know, if there's a person listening to, to this podcast and listening to the story and is in that position, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. 
that you know there's that's 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 brokenness and that's that's the evidence of uh you know that that's a part of the story that we live in we live in that tension of already not yet that you know christ has come and we celebrate that through the season of advent and christmas but we also have that longing that longing for one day that when christ is going to come back and he's going to restore everything fully so we we do live in that tension but if that's if someone has walked through that and is walking through that painful part of divorce and settlements and all that stuff it it's I would just say that you know God can restore uh, your perspective too. He can restore your life. That it's the death of a relationship, and that's still gonna. There's still gonna be a gap in there. But at the same time, um, God can can bring a new relationship. God can bring healing. God will bring healing, and uh, He is again the the orchestrator of resurrections. And so, as bad and as hopeless as something might feel right now. Uh, just continue to hold on to him and to see him breathe new life into your spirit and to change your perspective to to bring you the gift of new relationships and new friendships that will will brighten your day and will strengthen you and uh and just know that God sees you right where you are that we have a the gift of knowing that God is with us he is Emmanuel which means that you know he walks through us in the middle of our brokenness and he walks through us when other people have forsaken their vows and when other people have abandoned us that he is the god that is the everlasting father he is the one that will continue to hold out his hands to us even when other people let us go and what an opportunity to to turn back to him or turn to him in a new way when when human relationships inevitably fail us that's so true and i you know i've definitely walked those places you know those dark places of losing relationships or or, you know, just life. Life can be just so hard. And I'm thankful for the constant one, the one who will not leave or forsake. So as you look back over 2016, how has God restored you? I think, you know, the, the word that, you know, I, I keep coming back to is, is this the, the power of vulnerability in community? Um, so I think for me, just rediscovering, you know, how, what a genius idea the church is that uh, that none of us have it all together by ourselves that we're, you know, all of us are broken and we're trying to follow a perfect God imperfectly, but there's just, there's such power in, in the relationships that God surround us with that whether you're in a church plant of a hundred people or you're a part of a mega church of 20,000 people that God has uniquely placed people in those communities and, and in those families to, to provide perspectives that are different than us, to to provide stories that will help us in our story, to just to walk with us, to bear our burdens, to share our struggles, to to rejoice when we rejoice. I think it's it's such a um, it's such a gift to know again that you don't really appreciate the church until you have to walk through something that's difficult, and, and until you actually need those resources. Sometimes you don't really appreciate the genius construction that is the church. I love that because so many times we're hearing these days about people who have been church burned and you hear all these bad stories about the church. So it's lovely to hear a testimony about the the beauty of the church. So thank you for sharing that. Well, it's it's my privilege. And, you know, of course, I'm I'm partial to the church, I'm <laughs> after, but, you know, we, we've all, I think we've all had disappointments. But, um, you know, I think uh, one thing I always think about is back in the early 20th century in England when when things were going in, in a bad direction, one of the columnists, I, think, I believe it was for 
the London newspaper uh, kind of wrote an op-ed and basically the idea is what's wrong with the world today just because of all the pressures that were under people and, and pressures in, in government and the world war was going on. And, and I basically this guy wrote back and said uh, to the, the question, what's wrong with the world today? He said, I am. And he, he signed it sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. And, and in that, I think there's just this ad- admission that we're all a part of the problem and a part of the solution that, you know, um, as Jesus says so eloquently, we have to look at the plank in our own eye before we point out the speck in, in others. And that's that's true of any family or any marriage or really any church, that that there's going to be brokenness because we're broken. And uh, we're not going to experience that that true peace, that true separation from brokenness until Christ comes back for us. It's so true. And you're right, the now and the not yet. And that's why we, we wait for our Savior <laughs> as he comes again. So, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that wasn't an easy one to share, but I just appreciate it. And I know that listeners will be really grateful to hear it. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to join you. And I hope that uh, yeah, someone out there just listened to that and was encouraged to know that, that God will always uh, work through any situation, and he is the God of the resurrection. So I'm grateful for that today. Hey, thanks for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you right now? Lord, um, whoever's listening to this right now, I'm sure that everybody has one relationship that's maybe not going as well as we would like it to go. So we take this opportunity right now, Jesus, to lift up that difficult relationship to you, those places where we feel like The relationship has been crucified, dead, and buried, and we are simply waiting for your resurrection. I'm so grateful that you are the God of the resurrection, that you can take difficult relationships and make beauty out of them and beauty from the ashes. So we're just grateful for that. And and Lord, in the middle of that, we just lift up our heartache to you about the pain that has happened in some of our relationships. And we ask humbly that you would repair the damage, that you would repair the breach, that you would Help us to see our part in it and help us to apologize for what we need to apologize for, but also that you would shed light on the entire situation, that your love would be the the number one rule between the two of us. And Lord, just, just be in the midst. We cannot fix everything. We certainly cannot fix our relationships, nor can we control somebody else. But we sure can be humble and we sure can be able to say we're sorry. So show us this week where we can do that. And would you just enhance and resurrect those broken relationships? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information, go to marriedemuth.com forward slash restory 2-17. And may you live a brand new story this week.